you're listening to the Nonprofit Buildup Podcast, and I'm your host, Nick Campbell. I want to support movements that can interrupt cycles of injustice and inequity and shift power towards vulnerable and marginalized communities. I've spent years working in and with nonprofits and philanthropies, and I know how important infrastructure is to outcomes. On this show, we'll talk about how to build capacity to transform the way you and your organization work. Hi, everyone. It's KDT, BuildUp's Program Coordinator. This week on the Nonprofit Buildup, we are making the case for general support funding. This episode was originally recorded as a webinar with Angeline Frazier-Giles, Executive Director of the National Network for Justice. Angeline was previously featured on the Nonprofit Buildup on Episode 9, Increasing Access for Grassroots Organizations. You will hear us talk a lot about general support funding or flexible funding on the Nonprofit Buildup podcast including last week's episode introducing the importance of general support grants. Many leaders in the nonprofit sector are speaking out about how crucial general support funding is for creating sustainable and effective organizations, and we agree. This episode goes a little deeper into discussing why the majority of funding is not general support and what the delays are that slow down general support grants from becoming the default grants of the sector. And with that, here is Nick's discussion about general support funding with Angeline Frazier-Giles. Thanks so much, Angeline. It's uh, my pleasure to be here. And I really uh, love the work that NNJ does. And so I'm, I'm very happy to be having this conversation. So when we started to talk about what this conversation would look like and what we would be able to cover, we started to talk about funding, right? And we started this conversation around why can't we have more flexible funding throughout the sector? What is it that's preventing funders from just making this a default position? And so that's always been my question about why can't we make the default position within the sector to be general support funding? And I've heard, you know, some arguments against doing that. And I think you know, in some instances it just might not work if you're working with a particular organization. And you're trying to, you know, a university is a great example. If you're trying to support a school, for example, within the university, giving general support to the entire university is not what's intended. But I do think what is intended is flexibility in how that school or the intended grantee uses the funding. And so this idea around general support is really about flexibility in funding and giving the ability of how to use that funding over to the grantee. Right. And, and what are our steps to, to get there? And so what I want to talk about today is what is general support? I think we use that term a lot. I want to explain what I mean by it. What do we mean when we say project support or project grants? Talk about two concepts, expenditure responsibility and equivalency determination. We'll talk about when those things come into play. But I do think that we need to talk about them in order to have a real conversation around general support. So. Again, I do believe that in the majority of cases, general support is the most effective form of support that funders can provide to nonprofits to support their projects, programs, and overall sustainability. This is how we build organizational capacity. You do it with flexible funding, unrestricted funding, and with general support. 
I, yes, of course, you can build an organization that is sustainable through project support um, funding or project um, grants, but you want to make sure that the funding you're providing is as flexible and unrestricted as possible. And I'll, and I'll walk through why. So why aren't we there, right? This sounds really logical, right? Like, okay, well, Nick, you've explained that you want to give flexibility to organizations. You want to give funding. Why aren't we there? And in my opinion, I think we're not there because we have not built trusting relationships, right? And when I say we, I mean funders and grantees. I think at the base of it, there is a lack of trust and there's a lack of relationship that's happening which is influencing whether or not general support grants are then being made. And I think that that's a a big statement. And I think people will say, well, of course, I I trust this organization. Of course, we have a relationship. But I would actually challenge that and say, is it the kind of relationship where you say, here is a set of unrestricted funds, use it as you would like. And I assured and I trust that you understand my goals and we understand your goals and we're working towards the same aims. Right. I think having that conversation and clarifying uh, that relationship is at the core of all of this. And so we can talk about all these tools. We can talk about giving general support grants and project support grants and expenditure responsibility and how to do that with equivalency determinations and things like that. But to me, those things are tools. And at the core of it, it's do you have this trusting relationship that will be able to support the use of all of those tools? So when we say general operating support, what are we actually talking about? We're talking about supporting a nonprofit's mission, right? As opposed to saying, I'm going to support this line item of a specific project or a program. So again, we've talked about why funders, grantors should be providing general operating support. One, because it does build strong, sustainable infrastructure. You're not wedded to spending funds on a particular line item or a particular project, you can actually spend it to build capacity. You can help to build out the infrastructure of your organization, build out your governance, build out the way that you're making grants. If you are a grant-making nonprofit, you it frees up the time that people are spending on fundraising because now they don't say, okay, well, there's 10 line items in our project. We've got two of them funded. Let's go out and fundraise for the other eight, right? You are now thinking holistically and it changes the way you start to tell your organization's story and how you're trying to say, here's how you can support us. And the reporting changes as well, because now you're giving reports on programs and initiatives throughout the organization and not doing it piecemeal, right? Um, Project by project. I think it does reduce that power imbalance between grant maker and grantee that might exist because, again, you're basing it on a trusting relationship. And this is where um, it comes from, right? This is where the flexibility comes from, the ability to say you're going to use the funds the way you determine that you should use them. I think it allows an organization to be innovative and to actually take risks, right? Like think of what you would do if you had a safety net. Right. Think of what you would do if you had the ability to build your sustainability and your capacity. I think that's a much different way of looking at things compared to, well, we've got a line item here. We still have to raise the other seven. How will we do that? And you're constantly worrying about how you're raising funds against line items as opposed to how you're building an organization. And, you know, at, at, at the core of all of this, it's really about how are you giving your nonprofit leaders space to lead? How are you giving them space to problem solve? And how are you giving them space to build an organization? I don't think that once you give the funds, that's it. 
I also think that what a company's general support should be technical assistance support. So, you know, a lot of questions have been raised. Well, if I give a general support award, it's like writing a a blank check, essentially. How will I be able to find out what's happened? How will I, you know, be able to monitor? And I think, again, once you have that underlying trusting relationship, you can continue to work alongside uh, the organization because of, of that really strong relationship. And you're helping to say, I have networks that I can introduce you to. I have other tools that I can have you use because you're providing technical assistance along with the money. So I do not think that just providing general support funding is all it takes. I also think you need that additional capacity building support, the technical assistance that comes with it. And what do we mean when we say project or program support? We talk about supporting a specific project or a specific program or initiative of the organization. So what can it help you do? You can actually respond directly to new and innovative projects. You can help to build out programs focused explicitly on um, that work that the project grant is funding. You have more control as a funder, right? You're able to say, show me how this particular project has performed, program has performed, metric that you have articulated you'd be following is, is doing. And you get into this idea of like not having this heavy reliance on one funding source. If you've got, you know, 10 line items and a, and a funder is funding each of those line items, now you're diversifying funding as a default, as opposed to having one funder giving you general support funding that you're using um, any which any way you'd like. What are some of the limitations? Like, why do I constantly push for, for general support? I really do believe that grantee organizations are the ones doing the work and they're the ones that actually know the community that they're serving best. So why not give them the ability to determine how then they want to use those funds? Again, along with that technical assistance that's being provided. I've also found this in my practice over, you know, seeing lots of different nonprofit organizations and leaders over the past uh, 16 years. That what happens is you start to write to the grant, right? You start to write and create projects and programs to meet the funding ask, right? So you might have an idea in your head where you're like, I think this is innovative and I think this is the way to go. But instead, what you do is, well, I know that there's a pot of money that is living there for this particular kind of work. So now let me write to that grant, right? Now let me make this program fit that mold. And so I, I think that that does happen. And I think if you're giving piecemeal, you have to think about this, right? If you're giving piecemeal kinds of support and saying, okay, well, I'm supporting this project or, or that program. When you stop supporting a line item or you stop supporting that project, how is it being sustained over time? Because all of the things that you're putting limits on, like, oh, we're only giving 20% of this. We're only giving 30% for overhead, let's say. Well, people still need desks to do their work, right? You still need electricity to do your work. You need all of those things that constitute infrastructure that we put limits on and we say, well, we're not going to, our grant is only going to support this percentage of it. What's going to happen to the other 70%, the other 80% that no other funder wants to fund because everyone wants to fund the program, the project, the work, so to speak. What happens then is this project may not be sustained over time. So the project that you're so interested in, that one might succeed. But what about the others that are not being supported or somebody drops out? Now you have you know, projects being started, not being sustained, and the overall effectiveness of the organization is decreasing. Right. Just because one program is, quote unquote, succeeding, if it's succeeding in an environment that's not sustainable, it is not succeeding. 
Right. And so those are some of the limitations that I've seen over the years. And that I think that a project support awards tend to facilitate. I'm not saying that project support is bad and never, ever receive it. I just think that the default, right, the, the place we start from should be how do we award unrestricted, flexible funding to this organization in order for them to be uh, sustainable and build their capacity while doing the work that we're interested in supporting. Now, the reason I wanted to talk about expenditure responsibility is because, you know, now that we've talked through general support and project support, some people might say, well, that only works when you're making a grant to a public charity. When you make a grant to an a organization that's not a public charity, you have to deal with expenditure responsibility. And this is only if the grant maker is a private foundation. So if you're a public charity, you don't have to, and you're making grants, you don't have to worry about expenditure responsibility, but private foundations do. So... You might, and private foundations then have to comply with all the ER requirements that say you have to, you know, do lots of different things. You have to have an agreement. You have to put certain language in the agreement. You have to conduct certain diligence. And you really can't give a general support grant to an organization that's not charitable, right? So if you think about the example of giving a grant to a for profit, and the for profit, let's say, has a really great charitable program. And you say, well, Nick said we should always give general support grants. I'm going to give it to this organization. When you're giving this general support grant to this for-profit that does for-profit things, you can't do that as a private foundation because now you're supporting things that, not, that are not charitable. You know, you're, you haven't really supported that carved-out project. So that's the concern when it gets to exponential responsibility where people will say, well, we can't obviously do general support in that context. So it has to be a project support grant, right? And I agree that you can't, just um, give the sort of blanket type of support to organizations that are not charitable when you're dealing with expenditure responsibility. But that doesn't mean that you can't build in flexibility, right? It doesn't mean that when you make that project award, you can build in the maximum amount of flexibility that is allowed under the law. And I don't see that push to get us to that maximum level of flexibility under the law as much as I would like. I would love it if the place that we're starting from is unrestricted, flexible funding. And however it shows up, we meet those different situations. So if we're dealing with a for-profit with a uh, charitable program that is carved out, then we give a project support grant that has the maximum amount of flexibility that is allowed in that instance. That's what I'm saying when I, when I talk about how we should approach funding. I'm not saying in every single instance, general support is appropriate or even uh, legal, but I am saying that there are ways to have it happen. And so when someone brings up expenditure, expenditure responsibility, the, this, the thinking here is there's still ways to do it. And I just want to see us try to, to get there because there's lots of grassroots organizations that they're not public charities for whatever reason, right? When we think about innovation, we think about ways to show up and have social impact. It's not just the public charity that can have social impact, right? There's lots of different organizations that are not for profits, but there are other kinds of entities that would fall under expenditure responsibility. And I don't think that it's logical or reasonable to say, well, because you're not a public charity, we can't possibly give you additional flexibility in this award. We have to change the way we work or operate. The other one I wanted to talk through is equivalency determination because equivalency determination is essentially a process that you go through where you determine that a foreign grantee, so a non-U.S. entity, is the equivalent of a U.S. public charity, right? So you basically say, look, if you were formed in the United States, 
you would basically be a U.S. public charity. But because you weren't, we're going to have to go through a process that makes sure uh, that you're the equivalent of a U.S. public charity. Once you go through that process, what it essentially does is it allows you to treat that organization as a U.S. public charity. Otherwise, you're in expenditure responsibility, right? Because you're making a grant to an organization that is not a public charity. That's when expenditure responsibility comes into play in the U.S. and outside the U.S. Equivalency determination only comes into play when you're dealing with organizations that are outside of the U.S. And so here, it's another tool to say, how do we make sure that we can get you flexible funding, right? How do we make sure that we can put you under the general support rubric and give you the amount of funding that you need and have you use it in the way that you see best? Again, providing technical assistance along the way. And the equivalency determination is a process. So you want to make sure that you're supporting the grantee through that because you're asking for operations information and finances to essentially get to that point where you're making that determination about equivalency. And so that's really what I wanted to talk through so that we could set ourselves up for our conversation. And, you know, again, like just to start us off or have us think about why is the majority of funding not general support, right? After everything that I've talked through, why do we think that we're still in this space where the majority of the funding that's awarded is actually not general support? And in fact, when, you know, COVID hit last year and, and just started within, particularly within the United States, we had a lot of conversions, right? We had a lot of grants being converted from project support to general support. Why? Why did it take a pandemic for us to get to that point? And there's some organizations, there's some foundations, even after they've made that conversion, they're still gone back to providing, you know, project support, right? So it's just like, we think this is a crisis. And so we think you need the flexibility, but in a non-crisis situation, you actually don't need flexibility and you're fine with the project support grant. So I would push us to, and challenge us to ask ourselves, why is that the case? And then what's slowing us down? What's making us say, why can't general support grants or that approach of unrestricted, flexible funding be the default approach um, for the sector? Like what's slowing us down there? We are going to pause the conversation here. There's a lot we have to say about general support funding. Nick raised so many important points and questions to ponder that we wanted to space this discussion out over two episodes. So stay tuned for part two next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nonprofit Buildup. To access the show notes, additional resources, and information on how you can work with us, please visit our website at buildupadvisory.com. We invite you to listen again next week as we share another episode about scaling impact by building infrastructure and capacity in the nonprofit sector. Keep building bravely.